And all the people say? Amen. All right. Glad to be here today? Yeah. I am so excited. This is Kids Sunday, Mission Kids. If you don't know already, um, we are moving into the new building for all the kids, zero through fifth grade. So excited. And our student ministries department. Everything is now on this side of the building. It's all renovated. It's all just pristine. It's awesome. So when we're done with service here, if you want to grab your Krispy Kreme, grab your coffee and make your way, I just want to encourage you to take a walk through. It is absolutely amazing. So I'm going to talk more about that in a second. But first of all, I just want to introduce you. Come up here, Vito. This is Vito, part of our family, our MVCC family now. Vito, um, tell, tell us, where did you come from? Okay, so I'm originally from Queens, New York. Um, my parents are from Dominican Republic, so I speak Spanish. I was raised in South Florida, but I just uh, moved here from Washington, D.C. It was a 40-hour drive, but I definitely saw God's goodness and protection in it. And I'm so happy to join the MVCC family. You guys are definitely, it feels like a move of God, and I'm excited to come alongside that move. Awesome. So glad to have you, man. I just want to ask you about, you were at Free Chapel with the uh, Spanish and English. Yeah, um, so my journey started at Free Chapel, Pastor Jensen in in Georgia. Then I went to Elevation with Stephen Furtick. And yeah, I've, I've definitely seen God's faithfulness in every season, and I know that the same God that was with me on the East Coast will be with me on the West Coast. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's just have a prayer. I just wanted you to meet him. And we're so glad, man. You're just part of the family here and just looking for God to do, of course, amazing things, right? Amen, yes. God, thank you so much for bringing Vito to us, Lord. And we just already tell God it's just such a wonderful thing how you work. And God, I know his heart, he's just alignment with what we want. We just want your presence, God. We want people to worship you. We want our family to worship. We want people who come into this place to catch something happening in the supernatural. So I pray, God, we pray for him that you just anoint him, bless him, his team, as he's just kind of learning the lay of the land here the next few months. God, we just pray like hand in glove. We just work together, Father, for your glory. And uh, we just thank you for bringing him to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. All right, thanks, bro. Good to have you with us. I just want to say a big thank you to all of our volunteers uh, who work and serve in children's ministry. So if, uh, if, if you serve in children's ministry, could you please just stand? We just want to say thank you for serving our kids. Uh, thank you so much for serving them. Awesome. Thank you. I want to also say thank you to our pastoral team, our ministry team here who's worked tireless hours um, just getting ready for um, our grand, you know, soft opening today um, of our uh, children's ministry. There are still some things that uh, we're going to do in the future that uh, are just going to make it such a wonderful place for kids and families to be here. And I also wanted to thank you. Thank you for your financial commitment, giving to the Lord, but also giving here to Missionville Christian. You know, the, God's really clear about, um, you know, it's, it's a joy to give. God would want us to give with joy. It's not, you know, pressure. We have to. We get to give. And when we get to give and we do that, we get to see things like this. It's just a little bit um, of what's to come, I believe, at Missionville Christmas. So I just want to say thank you so much for giving and uh, serving and being on team with us here at MVCC. Um, I also want to let you know, last Sunday, do you remember I mentioned that um, 
there was, we got an uh, envelope in the mail with a nice letter about how the person was blessed by the ministry here. And as I opened it up, there was a check that spilled out onto the floor face down. I picked it up and it was a special gift of $25,000. And I just want to say thank you to that anonymous gift. They wanted to remain anonymous. It's all for God. But I did want to let you know that um, I got the Giving Tuesday wrong. It wasn't previous. It, was, it wasn't two weeks ago. It was last week. Did, it, did you know that? Some of you are acknowledging that. So we got another envelope in the mail. <laughs> I opened it up, really nice letter, thanking you know all of our ministry team, pastoral team and all that. And the check was, this, the gift for MVCC was $31,150. And so you know, I just, that's just all God, but I know God works through the response of his people. And I just want to say out of the get-go, I'm with you in this. My wife and I are with this, our entire team. We give. We give because we love God. It's not because we have to. And I just want to say again, just a big thank you for your commitment here. And um, so I I wrote this person back and I said, okay, can't wait to see the blessing that's going to come in your life now because I believe that. We get blessed when we give. And it might come in many different ways. And God knows best. Amen. Um, So if you didn't already hear, Christmas Eve obviously is coming quickly on us. And so um, these little invitation cards are available to you. I want to encourage you over the next couple of weeks to just pray about someone that you would really want to come to Christmas Eve services. What we're doing this year is something a little different. We've added a third service, believing that God is going to fill the house so there's enough room for everyone but um, it's 3, 4.30, and 6 p.m. Christmas Eve. And the whole focus, obviously, is on the birth of Jesus Christ. It's called Rediscovering Christmas. I, I really felt led to us to go in that direction this year because in the last three years, it's just been crazy, hasn't it? And we've kind of lost our way in society and maybe even in the church, Big C Church, a little bit about what Christmas is all about. And so we're just getting reacquainted once again with why we're here because of the birth of Jesus Christ. So you pray about someone in your life who really needs the Lord. And uh, I'm doing the very same thing. I got people in my neighborhood, people in my life. I really want to be here. Um, So on Christmas day happens to fall on Sunday. So um, we are not having Sunday morning services here uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, It's going to be online if you'd like to, you know, experience that on Sunday morning. We really wanted you to be with your families. And I want my staff to be with their family and not to have to work on Christmas Day. And so um, we're just doing things a little different. And so just to let you know, a little bit of change. And uh, Christmas is the best time of year. I love it. I love Christmas. All right. Life is full of different perspectives, isn't it? It's windows of perspective that we get to see life through different lenses and in different glass ways. In fact, um, different perspectives bring change. Sometimes that change is good. Sometimes the change is not good. Um, As you know, um, we've been praying and praying and praying over the last about decade that God would send a real-life Holy Spirit awakening of the gospel of Jesus Christ here in the area of the O.C. I just believe, you know, God sent me here for part of the reason was to beat the O.C. out of us. And what I mean by that is, you know, the way things are supposed to be in Orange County, we kind of just live these kind of image, you know, conscious lives and so busy and we kind of just surface level. I really want to get down deep. I want us to get deep with God and I really want us to get deep with one another. And so there's a risk in that, but I really feel called to that. I don't want just a normal kind of church. I want our church to be alive. 
I want our church to be vibrant. I want our church to be filled with the Holy Spirit where people come in and they experience God maybe for the first time. And those of you that know the Lord, you're going deeper with God. That's, that's our heart. And so with that, um, we've been praying and praying and praying. So I'm always praying and watching. Jesus said, watch and pray, didn't he? Watching for the coming of the Lord, but also watching how the enemy may be working to disrupt what God wants to do. So Two and a half years ago when the pandemic hit, remember when everything kind of was happening really quick, really fast? Nobody really knew at the beginning, what is this virus? What is it? You know, my kids were like, dad, is this like the walking dead? Are we going to be like zombies? What's going to happen? So there was a lot of trepidation, a lot of questions, and just a lot going on, a lot of unanswered questions. And I remember when it first started to happen, it was spreading and the media was out of control and just all this stuff happening. And I remember thinking in my mind, maybe God, this is, we don't want anyone to be sick or anything bad to happen, but maybe you're going to use something like this to wake us up as a society to God. Maybe you're going to wake us up to the fact that, you know, one day we're going to leave this planet. We are all going to leave. One out of one will die. It's the truth. And so where are we going? What is eternity holding for every single one of us is the real question. Whether we're here for, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, that's just a scratch on the eternal scope of we are living forever. Who you really are on the inside will live forever. And the question is, where are we going so when the, when the pandemic hit, I thought to myself, this may be what's going to bring us to our knees for a nation to come back to God, for a society, for our city, for our church, for Mission Vale Christian Church to come back to Jesus Christ, to love him more than we've ever loved him before, to fall in love with Jesus and, and get things right with God and be full on 110% for Jesus Christ. Maybe, God, you're going to use this. I remember standing in Stater Brothers with my brother-in-law, we went to get some food and Toilet paper. Remember that? And I remember standing and looking down the aisles and it was like, it really was like this movie scene. There was like half of the food was gone and people were scurrying around and there was long lines at the grocery store. People were buying everything. And it once again brought me to the fact that God wants us to know him in relationship. And whatever it takes for us to get there, I'm in. I'm all in. You with me? So the question is, where are we? Where are we with God as a nation? What do we believe? I just read a CBS poll recently that said 75% of Americans across this great nation of ours believe in a real place called heaven and hell. 75% believe in that. 82% of Americans believe they're going to heaven. 2%, only 2% say I'm probably not going to make it to heaven. And the other 10% per se don't really know what's going on, don't have an opinion. So if this were true, if these statistics were true, if it was the perspective was truth, wouldn't our society be different? We'd be different. Our society would look different. Our nation would look different if these stats were really right. So I think the danger of all this is deception and thinking we're okay in one area, but the reality is we're not. 
When I got saved, man, um, 30 years ago, I remember that was such a life-changing moment where I met God. You who have met Jesus Christ, you know of what I speak. And as soon as I got home after receiving Jesus Christ, I just had this joy, this excitement, this burden that was lifted that no longer was I carrying guilt and sin. And I just wanted to know God and I wanted my family to know God. I wanted my mom and dad to know Jesus Christ. I wanted my closest friends at Capwell High School to know Jesus Christ. And I didn't sit in some class and somebody tell me, hey, look, now you got to share the gospel with all these people. I just wanted to because God so changed my life. I wanted people to know there's a God that loves you. Jesus Christ is the most amazing person, God, that will ever be. He will change your whole life. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not willing that any should perish but everyone to come to repentance. My parents are gone from this earth. I miss them every day I miss, especially during Christmas time and Thanksgiving. I, I miss, I love my parents. They're the most incredible people. But I have the peace of knowing I'm going to see them again. They are with the Lord. They're gonna see my kids again and someday grandkids are in the future. We are going to be in heaven with him because of grace We are saved by God's grace, not because of good things that we try and do. Nobody can get there, only because of the grace of Jesus Christ. The reality is we are all going to leave this planet. Here's the question I have for us as we get into the text this morning in Luke chapter 16. We're just making our way verse by verse through this, this incredible book written by Dr. Luke is, where are you going when you die? I want you to really take an honest look on the inside and answer that question. Second is, are there any people in your life that you're not sure of, of where they're going? 151,000 people die every single day around the globe. 6,360 people die every hour. 105 people die every minute. Two people die every second. And 55.3 million people die every single day year. 151,000 die every single day. Those numbers seem astronomical. It's almost like I can't really relate to that. But the reality is every single person is valuable to God. Everyone, every soul is important. And so there was a man who lived up in Beverly Hills. It was an incredible estate. He worked successfully for years. He owned three companies. He was successful. He had everything that the world could ever offer. Full bank accounts, stock accounts. He was in Bitcoin. He had incredible cars, three houses, but his main house was in Beverly Hills. And he threw these incredible parties almost every weekend. There was a man who lived down in Skid Row area and he heard all the music and the dancing and festivities and he felt like he was missing out, but he didn't have two nickels to rub together. So as he made his way up to where he heard the music and saw the lights and all the people and cars, he made his way up to the curb, crawling on his knees because of physical ailments. As some of the servants and caterers were bringing some of the trash outside, wheeled it out in front of this incredible estate up in Beverly Hills. He longed to open up the trash can. He was so hungry. The only thing he could do is pick from the crumbs and pick up of the leftovers that were from the party. You got that visual? Are we together on this? Are we awake? Okay. Luke chapter 16. Let's read the text. Both of these men died, but they died differently. In two different places. Jesus said there was a certain rich man 
who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would even come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by angels sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. And the rich man also died and was buried and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father, Abraham, have some pity on me, please. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, Remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm, a divide separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least then send him to my father's home. For I have five Brothers, whom I love. And I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said to Moses and the prophets, have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. And the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. This is a real life account that Jesus is telling because he wants, remember last week we talked about shock value, that Jesus wants us to be shocked into reality of there are two men and the rich man, obviously rich man who died, he had an incredible funeral. Thousands of people showed up to pay their respects. Poor man Lazarus didn't even have a funeral, didn't have a memorial. The Neptune Society probably came by for his cremation and offered some money just so that there could be a proper burial for him just out of poverty. And as we read this text, there's one truth. Both men died. I just want you to see the contrast between the two men. One is this. The rich man was wealthy and the Lazarus, Lazarus, he was obviously poor. Well-dressed, but Lazarus was homeless. Well-fed, begged for food. Lazarus was. The rich man, life of full-on luxury. And Lazarus had a life of poverty. The rich man died in torment. But Lazarus died in paradise. The real question is, we're all going to die, but what happens when we die? Where do we go? How do we know what happens And what happened to our loved ones that have already passed? This was a lot of question that happened in the first century church. And that's one of the reasons that first and second Thessalonians was written in the New Testament. Because there was a lot of questions about, we know Jesus has risen from the dead. But where are the loved ones that died previous to hearing about Jesus Christ dying on the cross and resurrecting from the dead? Good question. Excellent question. 
is Jesus teaches numerous occasions. There's one particular place where he brings up a place called Hades and Sheol. Hades is the Greek word, and Sheol is the Hebrew word, which if we were Jewish today, if we have anybody that's Jewish, you probably are familiar with this place. It literally is called the Valley of Gehenna. It was outside the city of Jerusalem, and really what it was, it was a garbage heap. It was a garbage dump. Anyone ever been out to the San Juan dump? Interesting place out there. Doesn't smell very good, unwanted stuff. All you want to do is get in and get out as quickly as you can. It's not a place, I've never seen anybody dump their stuff out of their truck and just, hey, let's just hang out here, have a few drinks, and let's just have a party out here. They want in and out as soon as possible because it's not a wanted place. It's a place of stench. It's a place of death. It's a place of where people don't want the things that they had. And so this visual that he's trying to help us to see here, and he wants the people in the Old Testament to understand is this. Let's put up on the screen here old testament afterlife what did they believe about the old testament if you were to die before jesus christ came to earth died on the cross and rose again there is a place called torment when we die this is real biblical stuff that as we read in the text here that jesus is super clear about the rich man did not go to the place of torment because he was rich It has nothing to do with having a lot of things. He went there because his life was not changed by God. He was not in relationship with God. And therefore, when he saw the poor man, he was indignant towards that. He ignored it. He pushed it aside. He denied the social problems of his day because he was all consumed with himself. Isn't that what we see today? We have a lot of people, a lot of people who probably thought or think Well, when we die, we just go to a better place. I've been to a lot of memorial services, been to a lot of funerals, participated in a lot of them. And one phrase that I hear a lot of people say is, well, so-and-so's in a better place. And unfortunately, there's a deception there to think if I'm just good enough, I'll get to that better place. There's, there's, There's actually a religion called universalism. All roads lead to God. Just whatever you believe in is fine, as long as you believe in something of substance. It doesn't really matter what you believe in, we all go to the same place in the end. That is not what the Bible teaches. And I don't see that as, I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I say that with a broken heart because we want as many people as possible to end up in a place like this. That's our heart at Mission Vale Christian. If, as your pastor, as one of the teachers here, if I just make you feel good or give you nice stories or messages, that doesn't do anything for you. I want you to have truth because I want the truth to change us. I want us to leave here differently than when we came in because it's so important that we understand the afterlife and what God taught. That if someone was out of relationship, out of fellowship with God, according to the Old Testament law, they were in a place called torment. Now, if a person was in relationship and followed the law and part of that Jewish nation, they were in a place called paradise. And that's where the, 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 the poor man went, Lazarus. We know he's in paradise, in Abraham's care. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. He and Sarah started the Jewish race. This is why it's so important that if we were in Old Testament times that we understand that God set up the law so that we could understand his grace and mercy was coming through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. 
this is how it works. So if we were Jewish, we would once a year go up to Jerusalem. We would offer a sacrificial lamb. By the way, the lamb had to be without spot or blemish, nothing wrong with it, no defects. We would give the very best that we have to God because we're honoring God. The priest would take that animal and sacrifice the animal and it would not completely atone for our sins. It would kind of just roll the sins back for a year. Are you with me? So, so the Jewish nation were never completely covered and completely forgiven of every sin they ever committed. God was just gracious enough through the sacrificial system to roll the sins back for one year. So every year, that's why they had to keep coming back and giving sacrifices. It was tiring. It cost them something. They had to actively participate. They had to be in obedience and compliance with the law. So when Jesus Christ came to the earth, that's why the Bible says when he was baptized by John the Baptist, the perfect lamb of God is here to save the sins of the world. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He's the lamb of God. So when he laid down his life on the cross, that opened up heaven. And that's why the scripture teaches that Jesus Christ came back to those in paradise where it was kind of like a holding pattern, if you will, from Old Testament time up until the time that Jesus Christ died on the cross. There was this holding period for years. Jesus Christ rises from the dead and then he comes to paradise and rescues everyone who's in paradise to now go into heaven. Does this make sense? And so in Luke 23, 43, you remember there were two people that were crucified, one on Jesus' right and one on his left. Do you remember the one man who was prideful, blaming Jesus for what was happening? The man who was humble and saying, please God, some way have mercy on me. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise, right? This, this is so important that we understand this because this relates to my neighbor, Matt and Shannon, who live on the right side of me. This relates to family members that I'm still praying for and want them to be a wonderful place called heaven. Now, this no longer exists because Jesus Christ changed everything through his death and resurrection. This is where some of our Catholic friends get the idea of purgatory. Because this was a biblical concept, but there was this, as you know, divide here. and, And these people could not cross over. There's no way of getting out of this. There are no second chances when we die. Our, our eternal destiny is, is hinged on the fact of what we, what we believe now and where, what decision we make about who we're going to follow and who we're going to receive as our Lord and Savior. So Jesus was really clear when he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But just in a few days, Jesus would come and rescue. Let me just cross over to 1 Peter three eighteen to 20 if you're taking a few notes here. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God patiently waited while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved, drowning in that terrible flood. Jesus is making a reference to the old time folks that were in this place of holding that he was going to rescue them and take them back into heaven, which is where we're gonna be as soon as we die. We'll get to that in a second. Ephesians 4 says this, seven through nine. However, he has given each one of us special gifts through the generosity of Christ. Those of you who know Christ, you've been gifted by God. That is why the scriptures say, he ascended to the heights and he led a crowd of captives that gave gifts to his people. Do you remember when Jesus, it says he led captives in his train? 
in the scripture, it talks about he's leading all the captives that were waiting so that they could be in heaven with God forever and ever and ever. The rich man was not in torment because he was rich. I have to say that again, because according to world economy, we are all rich here in Orange County. Whether we like it or not, we're the rich man. I include myself in that. Most of the world doesn't live like this. You know that. They don't have clean streets and cars to drive and two or three houses and vacations and all that. The world doesn't live like this. So blessed and so grateful that we live like this. But I don't want anyone to be deceived into thinking, well, because I have riches and I have a lot of things, I'm blessed. That has nothing to do with it. We can be equally blessed being under a tree, worshiping God under a pasteboard in the rain, as equally as being in a $100 million cathedral and worshiping Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's the heart that God is looking for. And, and what am I, we talked about last week, what am I doing with what God gave me? One was in relationship with God. This is the difference. One was not in relationship with God. In Matthew 25, I just want to draw our attention. If you have, again, if you're taking a few notes, this is a really good one to take a look at. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. I felt it was important to look at this text and just and walk through this because this is truth. This is what is going to happen when we die. And I want you to pass the test. I don't want you to get to heaven and go, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Why did somebody tell me? Why, why did I go to church and just hear a bunch of stories? I hope that's not true at NVCC. I wanted truth. I want to be able to be packed with the truth so I can give truth to somebody else in love and truth. Okay, I feel like I'm doing all this on my own. Is anybody with me this morning? Okay, all right. Verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes to his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you're blessed of my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you decided to clothe me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to eat? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these, my brothers, you, sisters, you have done for me. That's the tragedy of the rich man in torment. He had every resource known to mankind and he didn't release that and help somebody who was in need because his heart was so hardened towards selfishness and the world. Let's go on. Then he will say, this is where it gets scary, Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, we sat in church every Sunday. We gave money to the ministry. We said prayers, we did alms. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. 
There are three truths out of this that I don't want any one of us to miss, myself included. There are only two eternal destinies. There are only two eternal destinies. There's not this nirvana out in the universe and one with the universe and one with the energy and all this. Here's my, my question to all of that stuff is, where's the proof for that? Reincarnation, really? Show me some proof. Give me some facts. I don't see any. So until somebody brings something more credible and more righteous than Jesus Christ and the word of God, I'm sticking with Jesus. So, so there are only two eternal destinies for everyone. It says all nations. That means everybody. The basis of your eternal destiny is decided in this present life. There is no, well, I'll wait till my deathbed experience. You may not have a deathbed experience. I was just talking to somebody last night at 19 years old. They had a friend they went all the way through grade school, high school with, stepped out in front. He was in London on some trip for music. He stepped out on the curb, got hit in that moment, 19 years old and died. I know that some of you who are young thinking I'll never die. I'll be able to be, you know, 80, 90, maybe 100 years old. Who knows what's going to happen with the medical world. Nobody is guaranteed of tomorrow. No one. And I want you to decide today, today, your present decision today affects all of eternity and where you're going to be. And number three is this. It is possible to be deceived about your eternal destiny. That's the tragedy of all this in America. Why 82% of people think, well, I'm going to heaven. And God is the ultimate judge about that. But I'm fearful because if we were really changed by Jesus Christ, our society would look different. Our churches would look different. Our, our nation would look different. If we were all 82% really Christ followers, wouldn't it be a different place? So that tells me there's something going on. There's deception. There's something wrong here. There's something amiss. 